All right. Good morning, everybody. The sun's out. Hooray. Wow. Did I hear somebody say it's going to be warm like through February? If we could get, if we could get through February. That's yeah, a sloppy mess out there, though. We've got to find something to complain about, right? It's warm in January. Yeah. This morning we'll be in Proverbs 20, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Proverbs 20. This morning, J.C. is in Cincinnati, recording for or mixing for another church uh, for his job. And then Aaron is with his family at the hospital with uh, his mom. She's in distress, so we want to be praying for them both. One for travel mercies to get back safely, and that his mission goes like he hopes, but also for Aaron as they and their family struggle and uh, are going through this time with his mom. Pray for Rod and Lori, our Sunday school ministry. They're, they're sick at home. And then... Uh, uh, and then Denise and John, our security team leader there, and, and all, he, they're sick at home. So good stress test on our ministry here. Everybody's stepping up and stepping in, and it's been wonderful to have uh, Jeremy come up from St. Joe. Thank you for doing that for us. We called him last night. Hey, we need a worship leader. Don't be, it's either that or me and a harmonica. So you, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, oh, that would be epic for sure. <laughs> You can't be crap. No. Yeah. <laughs> Ugly. Anyway, um, it's good for us, too, to put our ministry through kind of a, mm, I know everybody's a little, gosh, I hope everything goes okay, and first service did not go well at all. Everything crashed back there and everything, but it shows us where our weak spots are and so on, so it's good. It's always good. Anywho, um, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for our time and your word this morning and the worship was just beautiful and we pray that you were as blessed as we were to sing to you and that's our heart is that as we, as we share our hearts with you, as we open our hearts to you through song and through this prayer time right now, that now we'd be open and receptive to what you have to say to us through your word. So we pray your Holy Spirit will be our teacher and guide in this room and also in the Sunday school class back there where the kids are being taught your word. We pray that you just rule and reign over this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today we will only get through hmm, verse 14, just so you know. Proverbs 21 through 14 is where we'll be. This first verse is, uh, it's not a difficult one to teach, it's just... It's a controversial one, it seems. It's a, it's a very difficult thing. Um, we've grown accustomed to accepting this into our lives and into our culture for, for you know, years and years and years. And so when the, when the Holy Spirit brings something like this up that we didn't think he was going to talk about in our lives, we can get a little bristly about it. So I'm just giving you a little heads up on this. Don't be bristly. Um, there's a reason God wants to speak to us about these things. And, and uh, if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you, but it still needs to be taught. Okay, so I'm not apologizing for it. I just want it to land in the best soil that it can land in. And to prepare our hearts for it, I think, is the most important thing we can do, the soil of our hearts. And so verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it, is not wise, the father tells his son. Okay, we have a beautiful friend in Jesus that we have. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. I love that song. It's a wonderful song. But we also have a very real king in our lives. 
We have a very real father in our lives, and he wants to speak to us on these issues. Um, the wine is a mocker, and strong drink as a brawler is usually something that people put their fists up over, and this is a, this is a controversial subject for them. This is a, uh, a moment of truth for them. I come from a family that um, has deep problems in this area with alcohol, and so I come from a very specific point of view. Um, and now, and then I try to broaden it to everybody else who doesn't co- come from a family like that, because not everybody does come from a, a family full of alcoholics and, and have struggled with alcohol. Um, and so I try to make it not palatable, but at least broad enough that everybody can receive it relatively well. He, our Father in Heaven, our King, is telling us through the wisdom of Proverbs that wine is a mocker. And that doesn't matter whether you have a difficult time with it or not. It's a mocker. Um, Nobody ever becomes more wise under the influence. They don't. Nobody becomes or develops a better level of judgment. (laughs) Uh, It's a very important thing to understand about this substance that we have used one verse through Christendom to justify Jesus turned water to wine, therefore, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, there's so many other passages about this subject that we have to take in context and in the totality of Scripture to get a clear understanding about how God feels about it. Wine is a mocker. It just is. Strong drink is a brawler. Okay, It pulls you under the influence of itself. And then finally, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And so it, it is, it's hard to put more of a fine point on it than is already put on here. It's a danger. Now, let me read a scripture to you that maybe helps with this for the believer, because is it lawful? Of course it is. That's not what he's saying. He he did turn water into wine, although the mixture was way different than what we think it was. It's not that, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, as Paul is writing to a group of believers, new believers, teaching them all sorts of new things to them because they grew up in a society that allowed for this, that, or the other thing. And he tries to say, okay, now I know where you come from and I know where you are, but that's not where God wants to leave you. He wants to bring you through. And so 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is a very important book for all of us to read, especially if you didn't grow up in the church and you don't have any background. So you come into this relationship with Jesus with a whole bunch of ideas that you think are normal because you've grown up with them as normal. But God says, no, I'm here to teach you a new way, a better way. I'm giving you a new heart and a new mind. I don't want those old things. I want to make all things new with you. And so in this chapter 6, verse 12, he says, all things are lawful for me as a believer. They are. But all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul made a distinction and a decision in his life that no matter what happens, I will not be brought under the power of anything other than Jesus Christ in my life. And anything that divides that needs to go. I get rid of it. Um, For an alcoholic, I was one, but I've been set free. And who's grown up with alcoholics, almost everybody in my family, some recovered, some not, some going through it, some handling it, some whatever they want to say. 
I know that the first drink for me is the only drink that matters because from there on out, the next ones are super easy. The first drink in my life tears down the wall of defense that I have that protects me from the rest of the drinks. Once the one is down, two is easy, three is easy, four is easy for me. Not everybody's like that. I understand that. I know that. Some of you go one, two, and it's fine. You don't have a problem with that. And so, and I'm not here to to make more of an issue than the scriptures make of it. Except, I want, just keep it in mind, would you want me under the influence of two or three drinks this morning as I'm teaching the Word of God, or would that make you feel uncomfortable? It would make you feel uncomfortable. I know it would, no matter how you'd say it. Would you feel comfortable if the cop that just pulled you over had alcohol in his breath when he's leaning in, or she has alcohol in her breath as she's leaning into your car asking you for your license? Of course, you'd feel uncomfortable. You wouldn't feel like you're being treated fairly. You'd, you'd question the judgment that's being used right then. Would you want any semi-driver on I-80 under the influence of two or three? No. Then why would I subject my kids or my spouse to that same kind of poor judgment, lack of control under the influence? It's just a dangerous thing. So that's what the scriptures are telling you, Okay. They're warning us about these things. Wine is a mocker. It makes you look foolish. In fact, that's where the most of the stories on Monday come from. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I did Friday night. You know, if you look at the police blotter that is published in the newspaper, 90% of the time, what's the last sentence? It was alcohol related. Just hear it for what it is this morning. Some of you need to know, some of you don't. Some of this is for you today. Some of it might be for you a year from now or two years from now. But make no mistake, if you're going to be a king, if you're going to lead, if you're going to be someone who has a position at all in spiritual activity in other people's lives, there's no room for it. I have to be ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week to pick up a phone and give good judgment, godly judgment, godly counsel. What may be free to you is not to me. I'm absolutely forbidden from it. It may be okay. It may be lawful, but it is not profitable for you. If you call me up and I can't put together a sentence to help you in time of need. So that's important. Verse two, the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. He's just telling his son as a king to a probably future king or possibility at least. You have that ability and anybody that provokes you has no problem with your authority and has, or actually does have a problem with your authority but has no problem challenging your authority. They're, they're going to be a difficult case. The picture that comes to mind is the, is the safari guide sitting on the front of the Jeep. You know, they've got that seat for him, and he's trying to lead people through. You've probably seen it on the social media. It's a funniest, funny but terrifying video. He's sitting there, and it just shows him, and he's looking over here because he's trying to point out the animals to the folks in the Jeep. And along from this side comes this lioness. You know, her head's this big. Without the mane, you know, she's a lioness, and she's just up there, and she just locks on him like... <laughs> Tasty. 
And his face, when he turns, you can't really see it, but you can see his body position. He looks and sees her, and she's about right here. He just kind of goes, you know, oh, my goodness. You know, drive is the idea. Drive fast. People that don't have a problem with authority or have never maybe run into a line, you ever see the folks at Yellowstone going up to the, to the, to the buffalo? Oh, my goodness. You know, oh, guy's fuzzy, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Bad fluffy animal, you know. Bad. They have no experience. They have no problem with the power, with the authority. My neighbor brought over some bales of, the big bales of hay. My truck's a wonderful truck, but in the mud, it's a disaster, you know. And so I've got to get bales over. He calls me up because he knows, hey, you need any help? I'd love some. So he grabs a bale of hay and brings it over. And, and, and I, I think I just told the story last week, but you've got to listen to it again because it applies. Um, and our bulls and our cows are together because one of them got pregnant and the other one didn't. So we're trying to give him another month that maybe we don't have to do this again. So we're, we, we've got them together. And, and so he brings this bale in and my bull is just does not like sound like that. Just that. And he hit that tractor so hard, I thought he about took that wheel off the ground. Just hit it. He's got a bloody scalp, and he just keeps hitting that tractor. And the, you know, it's an open cab, and he's going, oh, I'm like, and I'm going like this to the bull. <laughs> the experienced farmer that I am. <laughs> yeah. Yee! You know, would have flipped me into next week if he'd have got a hold of me. But he looked to me like, what are you doing? You, know? you want to die? I mean, I like the treats you give me, but do you want to die? And he takes off with the tractor, gets out of there, I shut the gate and everything works out. There's just a respect for the power. When I saw him about flip that tractor, I went, gee whiz. That's a lot of neck muscles there, you know. We need to have respect for authority and understand that. And when you have somebody that's willing to poke their finger at a lion or at a bull or a king, for that matter, you see, we have a wonderful Savior who's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but we also have a returning Savior. His second coming, he comes as a lion. And it comes with judgment. And there are people that have been poking him their whole life. They have no respect for what is coming and what he's capable of and what his mission is and responsibility is and what he can only do is to be just. And they disregarded that. Be careful. You sin against your own life as you do that to him. Verse three, it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. In other words, some people just want to fight. They just want to argue. They just want to you know, um, Proverbs 23, 9, we'll hit it here in three weeks. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Sometimes there's a time to stop talking. And this is one of those times. You can tell when people don't want to find common ground or when they don't want to find the, the truth. I don't even say common ground because I don't like that. I don't like to compromise unless you agree on that and you agree on that. We'll just both disagree together. No, then you're both wrong. I'm, I'm for finding the truth, okay? But if someone's not interested in that, they just want to argue, you know, they get emotional, they get into the name calling or whatever it is that they get into, it's time to just stop talking. It's okay. Even Jesus gave his disciples permission to do that. We don't hear that very often, 
because we have love and compassion and so does Christ for the lost world. But eventually, there comes a time when he says, if they're not going to hear, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Because eventually, it becomes pearls before swine and all they do is trample over the truth. Hey, I shared it. You didn't want to hear it. I'll circle back around maybe later on and see if you want to hear it again. But for now, I'm moving on to someone that does want to hear it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just to avoid that altogether is okay. It's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. Winter. I have a hard time with my T's. Sometimes I, I just droll through it. A lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Now, this isn't against poor people at all. Nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with your circumstances of, of wealth or lack of it. Okay. This has to do with what did you do when the opportunity came to make money? Did you not do anything? And now you can't figure out why you don't have anything? Or did you work hard and circumstances came about? I have mad respect for those that do. I did two weeks of overtime. I stayed late two hours every single day. Because I knew our vacation was coming up, and I wanted to make sure we had a nice, good, healthy you know, cash we could take with us so we could really have fun. And sure enough, at the end of those two weeks, something goes wrong with the car. You've been putting it together with duct tape and bailing wire. You don't drive the nicest car because you put it aside. You save it. You know there's other more important things to do with it. But, but it came to an end that day, the day you get your big check after the government takes their cut of that overtime. Shouldn't touch that. Anyway, uh, soapbox, get off. It's hard. That's not who this verse is talking about. That's a good man there. That's a good woman there who knows, has the opportunity, sees the opportunity, does what they're supposed to do, does the work, puts in the effort, and the world just swallows it up sometimes. That happens sometimes, you know. That's not who he's talking about. Those people need help, and we should help them all day long. All day long. Good for you, you know. What he's talking about is those who knew the vacation was coming, wasn't even sure, you know, I don't know. And that's the person, the lazy person. We're back to that lazy person again that doesn't take the opportunity, that doesn't get out and work and do the effort. Um, It isn't a circumstance that took their cash or took their getting ahead, you know, that nest egg getting dwindled down. It wasn't circuit. It was just a lack of putting into it, you know. And so we're warned against that. Know the difference when you're seeing someone in tough times who may be in a position where they might be asking. Why are they asking? Is it because they didn't take the time to work when they could, or is it because circumstances have befallen them? So, not their fault, you know. That's important to know that. I wrote down for myself to make it clear, wise to know the difference between unforeseen circumstances and deliberate neglect. Okay, that's what I put for myself. Verse 5, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. God wants us to take the time to search out the things of, of his, of his kingdom. He wants us to look for these things. Every movie that you've ever seen where the, where the wise old man or whoever it is, is, they're clear up on top of some mountain. They're a hermit someplace in a cave or they're across a sea on an on a, on a island, you know, that only you can get to if you want to. You really got to try. And the person seeking the wisdom 
goes above and beyond whatever they have to do to overcome those obstacles to get the wisdom. God wants to do that with us. He likes it when we do that. He doesn't do it purposely. He's not hidden it. He wants to reason together with us, but it does take some effort on our part. And we've talked about that in the last few weeks to not just expecting it to just fall into my head, but to do the work, you know? Quiet times are hard to have because we have other things we like to do. Our flesh would much rather do other things than sit there and read the Bible sometimes and get the refreshment that we need that comes from the presence of the Lord. But to battle through that flesh and to neglect our flesh, to deny our flesh and to sit there and do the spiritual thing, there's always fruit. God always will meet you there. When you take the time to meet him, he's faithful that way. And so, sometimes people are quiet. That's what it means by the counsel of a heart of a man is like deep water. Sometimes it's just a well out there. You know, I don't know what we're going to drink. Well, the water's in the well. Just put the bucket down there and haul it up and get your drink. Some say that's too far, too much work. Others say, thank goodness we found this, you know. I, I used this story for the first service, and, and I'll try to make a better connection than I did with them. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it's about Naaman and his leprosy when he gets healed. So there's a spoiler alert, he gets healed. But he, he has a hard time with receiving the knowledge. He has a hard time. In fact, in the story, he, he decides that, well, any river would have been fine. I didn't have to come all the way over here to this river. The other rivers were much cleaner. Why couldn't I have just gone to them and gone through this? Why did I have to go through this mess? This is not going like I thought it was going to go. Here's the story. Verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. That's a tough thing, isn't it? I think I'd use a leprosy for every excuse that I ever needed, you know? Why didn't you make anything for potluck? I'm a leper. Thank you. You I appreciate that. Why don't you go to war? I'm a leper. That's a pretty good reason. Throw the spear and there goes my hand with it kind of thing. Dark humor this morning, I'm sorry. Naaman didn't care. In fact, that's probably what made him such a great man of valor in some ways. I'm on a death sentence already. Just dive in, you know, go full bore. What's the worst thing that can happen to me? Something fall off, you know? So that probably made him pretty good. Verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out in raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She's a little slave now for Syria story is weird and hard. But he was such a man that this slave girl, even in captivity, even taken from her homeland and family, still wanted to help him. He was that kind of guy. She waited on Naaman's wife. That was her job. Verse 3, then she said to her mistress, if only my master were, were with the prophet who is in Samaria or he would heal him of his leprosy. I mean, who wishes that upon their captive or captor? You know, but she does. Just a little voice of the Lord, you know, for such a time as this, I've been brought into this home through circumstances that are detrimental to me, but are of benefit to the kingdom and what God wants to do in this world. We really have to look at our lives like that, but that's a different teaching altogether. And Naaman 
went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus, said the girl who was from the land of Israel. This little slave girl I brought back who's been waiting on my wife said, There's a guy that can heal me, tells his boss, King. King says, Go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Make sure that he gets you healed while you're there, like that's going to help. But, you know, kings do what they do. So Naaman departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes, because you know how ministries are. They always want your money. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Now the king takes it personally. (laughs) Not the brightest king in the world, but he tries. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider, see how he seeks a quarrel with me. This guy's just trying to pick a fight. He knows I can't heal people. Well, and and from the Syrian king's point of view, if there's a guy in your land that can heal people at will, he's probably in charge. It's fair. And this guy's like, I can't do it. He's going to kill me. Verse 8. So it was when Elisha, he's the prophet of the land, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. He shall know that there is a prophet in Israel, because you apparently don't, I added for emphasis. That's the point. King doesn't even know that the prophet exists or doesn't even think about him. Oh, bring him here, I can do it. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the doors of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. That's important. Indeed, I said to myself, I'm sorry, I I skipped ahead. Sent a messenger to him, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, the leprous guy. And went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I thought he was going to do kind of this thing. I was going to watch it, you know, this whole theatrical. That's not what happened. He told me to go wash in that dirty river Jordan. Stupid prophet. Are there, are, are not the Abana? And the far par, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Much cleaner than that mud thing. Could I not wash in them and be cleaned? So he turned and went away in a rage. Got mad. Now here's my point. Why do I connect it to this? He came all the way here this morning. It was a nice day for a drive, but you could have done a lot of different things this morning. But you came here. And I hope God teaches me that I know I've got problems with my wife, so I need a marriage teaching this morning. Or my husband needs to listen. I hope he gets good stuff this morning because he needs to repent, you know, whatever. My kids, I hope my kids are listening, or I hope I learn how to be a better parent. You got all these expectations, you know, when you show up. JC's going to sing this song here. <laughs> Surprise. Jeremy sang that song there instead. Wasn't it wonderful? You are getting chapter 20, verses 1 through 14 this morning, because that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants you to have. You didn't miss out on a better sermon someplace else. God brought you here, and by His Holy Spirit, His Word is going to work in all of your areas through this passage. You're getting exactly what you need. 
And I didn't plan this. Next week, we're going to be in 15 through whatever, 30. How many verses are there? I think there's 30 in here. Yeah. And we're going to be there. And then the week after that, we'll be in Proverbs 21 and on and on and on. There's no planning of this. I don't have a specific agenda to give to you. I just want you to know that when we show up and we go through the Word of God, verse by verse, from Genesis to Revelation, you get exactly what you're supposed to get. That's the meal. That's how it becomes well-balanced in your life. If I let my kids choose, you eat whatever you want. Fridge is wide open. <laughs> or pantry's wide open or whatever it is. You know, Twinkies for everybody, you know. Nope, this is the meal we're having. This is the meal we're eating. Well, it's not my favorite. No, no, but it's their favorite. And you're going to get vegetables, and you're going to get meat, and you're going to get a well-balanced diet, and then tomorrow we're going to have a different meal, and it's going to have different stuff on it, and it's going to give you exactly what you need that day. Then you're going to develop this beautiful physical health that comes from healthy, well-balanced meal. That's what scriptures do. If we don't cherry pick, can't cherry pick scriptures or you'll just be that person. That's it. You'll be a cherry. We want more than that. Naaman had ideas. He had thoughts. This is what he's going to do. To the point where he walked away saying, I didn't need that. It's exactly what you needed, Naaman. And it takes a slave to tell him otherwise. Verse 13 And his servants, as he's walking away in a rage, came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. It worked. I imagine this to be a reluctant dipping, in my opinion. Fine. You know, I'll go get in the muddy river, you know, one, two, three, four. And seven, he comes out, he's like, oh, that's amazing. Wow. Whatever God gives you this morning in this text, one, two, three, or four of the verses, I don't know how many you're going to get from him, how many are going to stick, how many are going to get into your heart and say, this is for me today. Just do them. Absolutely do whatever God gave you today. You need to trust him and trust his word that he is going to accomplish something amazing in your life by just doing what he told you to do today. He'll give you step two later, but this is what you need and I need today. It's going to be perfect. It's the step towards a complete healing. You think about physicians and someone's got cancer, someone's got this, and the regiment of, 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 of treatments that a person has to go through Step one, you know, first of all, we can't do surgery on you till you lose weight. That's not what I need. I need the surgery now. Well, if we put you on there now, you'll die. So we got to lose weight. Hmm, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I already feel better, you know. Step two, let's get you on the table and do whatever we have to do there. Step three, recovery. I don't want to go to PT. You got to go to PT. Physical training hurts, or, or whatever they call it, you know, for treatments. Hurt. It does hurt. Anybody that's ever had their knee or hip replaced, that stretching, you kidding me? Folding you in half, you know? <laughs> stretching you out, it's all part of it. God's word works just like that spiritually. No, I know you've got a problem here, and this is what hurts, but this hurts because of this over here, and it's connected to that, and then this, and then that, and all of a sudden, look, 
We got it. We've got to trust his word. And he does. And he gets healed. This story is so great, it's hard to get away from it for me. I love this story. Because later he comes back to the prophet and goes, this is amazing. Can I take dirt home with me from Israel to Syria? Because I want to worship on Israeli dirt, you know. Take as much as you want, you know. I remember when I was in Israel, I brought all these rocks back, you know. Rocks from here, rocks from there. And I got to customs. I said, is this okay? Go take as many rocks as you want. The Palestinians just throw them at us anyway. I said, oh, that was a good answer. (laughs) There's nothing supernatural about the rocks. The same rocks connected to the rocks in Maryville, Missouri, eventually. I don't know, I just wanted those special rocks. So I get his point. I get his idea. He has such a transformation. I think you will too, and I will too, if we just heed the word of God when he gives it to us. Verse 6, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Oh boy, is that important. (laughs) I'm glad you're a great person and you've been born again for this many years and you were at the big tent and you did this and that for Pastor Chuck and whatever it is. That's fine. Great. Faithfulness. (laughs) So important. To be there day in and day out. Aaron from the hospital troubleshooting things through the uh, Calvary chat to help us get situations taken care of. JC from Cincinnati, he's supposed to be recording and mixing over here for, for their uh, you know, album or whatever, and he's doing it over here. And, 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 and Jeremy coming up and sharing and, and giving us his wisdom and input and, and people covering for Rod back there, security, everybody doing what they're supposed to do. Wonderful. Faithfulness, faithful people, you know, just amazing. That's what we need. Who can find a faithful man, son, is what the dad's telling his kid. Everybody's going to tell you how great they are, but are they there? Are they there? You know? Verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Your family will be blessed as your parents walk in integrity. You may not be popular with your family at times as you walk in your integrity but they are going to reap a blessing from that integrity. Whether they know it now or not, they will understand later. You'll be blessed. They'll be blessed. Um, Your righteousness, I wrote this down for myself, your righteousness may not be popular or appreciated, but there is a blessing to those around you. The decisions you make as a parent to go to church and you're coming with me. That's just it. You're coming. I don't have to. You do if you want to live here. That's how it works. I don't want to force my kids to do anything. I would force them. <laughs> Walking in that integrity teaches them. You know, They can walk away when they're 18. That's fine. They can walk away when they're 19. That's up to them what they do with the rest of their life. But up until then, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Absolutely. My kids have always been pastor's kids, obviously. They've grown up in this. They've grown up serving. They're going to work the gate. They're going to be teachers. They're going to be helpers. They're going to do worship. They're going to do these things. We're going to clean. We're going to scrub toilets. We're going to do all these things. We're not guests here. We're family, and we do this. I just learned that from Jeremy. You know, It's a difference between feeling like you're a guest and you're a part of the family. Families have chores. <laughs> guests don't. So my kids have always been deeply involved in here. We're, we would come early. We would leave late. We don't have to do that so much anymore. 
But JC, I mean, I, I've got the security cameras up, and I watch that doorbell go off. 5 a.m., he's here, turn lights on, turn on sound, turn on heat for the guys, singing, worshiping. And I'm like, oh, look at him, he's just worshiping God. You know, I'm, I'm in bed watching this on the computer. No, I'm usually up, but they're there. Your kids will be blessed. They will. They may not necessarily appreciate it all the time, but they'll be blessed. Verse 8. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes, which tells us two things. You need to be scattering evil with your eyes as a king. People need to know that in your presence, that's not okay. Simple as that. Evil should not feel comfortable around me. Evil people should feel uncomfortable around me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christ, as someone who's born again and been set free from my sins, sin in people's lives should not be comfortable around me. That's okay. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, and they felt uncomfortable about it and changed their ways. Zacchaeus is a perfect example. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Didn't really invite him, but here he comes anyway. And when he got there, there was so much joy that the rabbi, the Messiah, the Son of God, came and ate there. He says, I'm restoring to everybody all that I've ripped them off. You know, a lot of, for some people, that was news. <laughs> you ripped me off? Yeah, sorry about that. You get twice back. Sorry about that. There's an impact on our lives in this world, and it ought to be for the change, for, for positive, for, for holiness. We're called to that. We scatter evil with our eyes. It's important. But so does God. That's what it's really about. Verse 9, who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. It's a rhetorical question. No one can. You can't cleanse yourself. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us this, if we confess our sins, and what that means is I believe it's sin like you believe it's sin, God. I acknowledge it. I'm not justifying it. I'm not excusing it. It is sin. You said it's sin. He promises he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a wonderful thing. Now, if you're holding on to your sin or you're justifying it or excusing it, what's he supposed to do with that? And so we're called to that. I can't make myself clean, but he can. Verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures. They are both alike an abomination to the Lord. He uses the strongest word he can for this. Think of all the sins that he talks about in the scriptures that he says are an abomination to him. You know what they are. He considers this equal, equally as bad. To be someone who is, deals in bad faith in business and takes advantage of others, a cheater who doesn't look for the fair deal, we're going to hit on this again in verse 14, is an abomination. In Christianity, we have this verse that we use. And it's a good verse. There's nothing wrong with God's word. We just use it wrong. I need to be a good steward of what God has given me. I need to be a good steward. We translate that somehow in our brain too. So that means I got to rip people off to make sure I get my money's worth. That's not the way that verse is used. Always to be looking for a fair deal. Always, always, always. The reputation of Jesus Christ, because we carry the name, because we're a child of God, we carry him wherever we go, and because we want to reflect him, and he is a generous God. He is a just God, a fair God, but I tell you what, that cross was not a fair deal for him. 
He went way beyond, obviously. And we need to carry ourselves this way. I'll give you an example. The, 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 the car that was found in the barn, right? Facebook post or uh, a newspaper ad. Some old widow woman has a Chevy, a 1956 Chevy. Like to sell. It was my son's. It's been sitting in there since the war. Well, every car guy goes, what kind of Chevy that is? They show up if it's in a Corvette, maybe. Uh, what do you want for this, ma'am? Would you give me 500? Yeah, I'll give you 500. It's an abomination to God. If you know what it's worth, and she doesn't know what it's worth, you need to explain to her what it's worth and be fair about it. Now, none of us have probably been in that situation, you know. None of us have been in that situation. And ma'am, you've got a car here that at auction in its current condition, maybe one fifty to 300000 depending on the buyer, 500 bucks is, let me help you with this, honey. Now, I can't afford it anymore. I thought I was getting a Nova, you know, or whatever. I don't know if they made them in 55 or not. Probably didn't. I'm not a car guy. Nova in Mexico means no-go. Did you know that? That's why they didn't sell down there. Does anybody want a Chevy no-go? No, no. Anyway, see, you get all sorts of information at Calvary Chapel. Honey, you've got a very valuable car here. Let's, let's work this out to where you get a fair price for this. That's the godly thing to do. That's the biblical thing to do. Otherwise, if you're one of those people that loves to tell the story about how you ripped that person off as a Christian, oh, my I want you to know this, and this is with love in my heart. You are considered, that's as equally as an abomination as any other sin. It's an abomination to God. You have tarnished my name. You have ruined my reputation by being the Christian who robbed the other person. Fair. Well, I know, but I want to, and you can justify it, and you can come up with scenarios and how you separate business from church. No. Christians are Christians. We've got to be fair in what we do. And not only that, fair to their advantage if it has to be. Let them tell the story about you, you dope. But don't be the person who tells the story about the other person. Okay, We have to be careful about that. And I'll leave it at that. Verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. And so therefore adults know too. Now he's telling his kid this, you know, and I was the kid. I've shared that story too many times. Oh, J.D., you want to play with J.D.? I don't think that's a good idea. You know, I, I was known by my deeds. I got everybody in trouble. I had ideas. They were good ideas. You know, They just ended us up in trouble most of the time. We're known by that. So are adults, right? We are. We want to carry our reputation. Um, it's new. It's different. We're in Christ. It needs to change. That's who I was. That's not who I am. Verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. What does he mean by that? Well, I'm thankful for my eyesight and my hearing. I appreciate that these are God-given senses that aren't guaranteed to me. I know people that have lost both of those or one of those. I'm thankful for my healthy legs, and I'm thankful for my lungs, and I'm thankful for my mind so far. You know, it's clear-ish. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful that I can function but also on the other side of this is those are his vessels. Those are his tools. He made my eyes. He made my ears. They need to be used honorably. They need to be used as if they're being used in the temple. 
Several times in Scripture, where the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and and we're no longer that. And then he and then he likens us to some vessels are made with honor, some are made with dishonor. But you can cleanse yourself from the former and become the latter. There's there's situations like that where you can be that clean vessel. Well, my eyes and ears need to be clean tools of God, and they're not to be used to defile. That's very important. Carry yourself with a, as a vessel of honor. Verse thirteen: Do not love sleep. Lest you come to poverty, open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Work. <laughs> In other words, there's the lazy guy again. Now, he's not saying, now I love sleep. Don't get me wrong. When it comes, when it's finally there and it's time to go to bed, oh, 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 love it. You know, sleep like a baby sometimes. Who was it had that funny? Some politician. How'd you do? How are you doing? He goes, oh, I slept like a baby. Slept for two hours, woke up, cried. Slept for two hours, woke up, cried. I don't remember who that was. It was hilarious. That's a good answer, man. I like that. When sleep comes, and it's more than four or five hours at a time, oh my goodness, can you believe it? Now, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people that, well, they love sleep. They go to Walmart in their pajamas and all Put on a pair of pants when you go to Walmart. Little side note, please. I don't care if you like SpongeBob or not. I don't need to know it. I don't need to know it. Put your underoos away. We're not 12 or 10 or whatever it is. Psalm 127 too says this. Just so you know, you can sleep. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. He wants us to sleep and have rest and have comfort and refresh. Isn't that the weirdest thing when you try to describe sleep? <laughs> I don't know. I go unconscious for eight hours and I wake up and I reboot and there I am. You know, <laughs> what a weird thing it is. You know, there it is. I give you sleep. I give you time to tune out, you know, and shut down and let me speak to you and comfort you. Verse 14, our final verse, and we'll close with this. <sighs> Back to the ripping people off kind of thing. It is good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he has gone away, then he boasts. You know, it's like Facebook marketplace all over again. Oh, that's not worth that. You know, oh boy, I only paid a buck for that. Can you believe those dopes? Don't be that person. Don't be that person. You know, if you find something that's of great value on there and maybe the person doesn't know it and it's in good shape, It's okay to say, you got five bucks on this, but honestly, that's probably a $500 piece there. Now, I don't want to give you $500. I'll give you $300 for it, but I'm not going to pay you five. I don't think that's fair. That's a good, that's good faith. And they may say to you, 500, get out of here. You know, you lost the deal, but you've got your character intact. I think that's more important. So, and I'll, I'll close with that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. So much to receive from you, this wisdom that you just freely and abundantly and generously give to us. I pray that you'd help us to receive it, Lord, to apply it to our lives, to trust your word and its work in our lives, that you are only looking out for our best interests. You've established your love for us by dying on the cross for us. Therefore, anything you say to us is for our benefit. Help us to receive it that way. Lord, I pray that you bless these people. 
Bless them as they go home today, as they enjoy their day with their family or by themselves or doing a chore or two or running an errand. I just pray that you would be on their minds and you would give them that peace that surpasses understanding the rest of this day. Give us opportunities this week to do your word. We've been taught. We've kind of understood it. Now give us opportunities to, to apply it, Lord. Lord, would you bless this last song as we sing to you. We pray that you're blessed by it, God, because we love you and you're worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.